0: Every week we pick one of our favourite shows and this is one we think you're going to love.
1: Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis.
2: Hello there, welcome to the I think is Black and White Podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by Chris Woff and Sean McCormick. It's another um how shall we say, depressing week as in Newcastle United Found, would that be a fair uh, assumption, Chris? I think with the overall situation
3: it has to be. I wrote a piece on Saturday night saying in any other context, in so called normal with the very commas of the top situation, then it would have been a decent enough performance and possibly you'd even say one 0 result at Arsenal isn't the worst you could you could imagine but the situation that Newcastle find themselves in it was the 8th defeating 9 only 1 win in 13 they're now in the relegation zone every game no matter who it's against and no matter where it is they have to be targeting points from and they're not getting them at the moment so as, as encouraging as the second half was and I think it was in a lot of ways and Newcastle could and probably should have nicked something in the end the fact of the matter is it's another game Without any points on the board, it moved them down in the relegation zone, so while all their rivals are picking up points. And for that reason, it feel it felt like a very flat day for, for what usually you would have seen at a ground where Newcastle really have had very little to celebrate over the years as a reasonable performance. But in the end, it, it didn't really matter. And, and you look back mm-hmm. at the end of the season, and that's still it's just going to be a one nil defeat. It, it reminded me to a certain degree of when Newcastle went down the season went down and at Liverpool when they drew 2-0 they came back and got the point there and that in normal circumstances would have been a brilliant point but again the situation they found themselves in which obviously far more perilous than they are now <coughs> by that stage it was already gone and they needed victories Newcastle didn't even get a point on Saturday so in that sense it can't be seen as a positive even though there were some things that you could really say look decent during the second half
2: showing you were down there spectating as a fan you were in amongst their way. And what was the atmosphere like? I mean, obviously, we, we know Newcastle haven't got a very good record going down there. Coming in the game, again, poor run of form. But was there a bit of optimism beforehand?
4: I would say it was fairly optimistic in the way. And yeah, I mean, obviously, you're not, as you say, under normal circumstances, if your manager isn't Rafa Benitez, he'd probably be a bit under pressure going into that game on the run of form Newcastle are on. But the fans were constantly chanting Benitez's name. Um, takeover was quite a bit of a Talking point amongst the supporters before the game as well. Um, throughout the game they were chatting we're going to have a party when Ashley sells the club beforehand as well. Um, it's clear that the anger is still directed towards Ashley rather than performance of the team and Rafa Benitez. Um, but I think that there's definitely an optimism there. There's a there's a sense of realism, knowing that, you know, Newcastle haven't got the greatest squad in the world. These players are trying. It's not a case of a lack of effort. You can see that in the second half. They gave it a real go. It's just the quality isn't there unfortunately um, but as long as the team keeps putting in that kind of effort you can see that there's, there is some positives to garner from as you see in the second half they added Arsenal under the kosh. obviously they need results if you look back at the, type, the kind of the season when we got relegated to Steve McLaren there was a long period where he kept saying Newcastle castle playing well they're just not getting the rub of the green here including it, Arsenal just after yes, the yeah, year yeah. exactly and, and it's not quite getting to that stage yet but as, as Chris says there it, it, it was a positive performance in terms of, in terms of they had a very good team in Arsenal under a lot of pressure in the second half and another day they could have got something from the game but it's, it's starting to get to that stage now where good performances aren't enough they need to start getting, to, uh, transforming that into a draw transforming them into three points you know and as I say the fans, the fans as I say they were, they, were, they were realistic about the situation they still have hope that they're going to get out of it and they're still giving the full baton to Benitez and the team
2: One thing I want to ask is that over the last few weeks his decisions during the yeah. game the substitutions have come for a lot of criticism and again, you could argue that Jacob Murphy was arguably the most threatening player on the pitch on, on Saturday and he gets taken off. Uh, what was the reaction like in amongst the, the actual it fans? A bit, bit, of grum, bit, of,
4: bit, of, bit of grumbling not, not not too much but I would, I would say that you were watching the game, your castle was starting to get back into it. Atsu and Murphy were the two players who were really trying to take the game from the scruff of the neck both players were substituted by Rafa Benitez. In fairness, Matt Ritchie came on. And I thought he made a very <clears throat> big difference. I think he was rightly dropped at the other weekend because his performances have been below par recently. Mm-hmm. From what we've come to expect from Ritchie, but I thought he made a massive difference when he came on in his defence. I thought when we went four four two as well. You, you, at the time, you were thinking, "Why is he taking Murphy off? He's up and he's going to create something." But when we went four four two, I think you mentioned it before, Chris, that Hossley becomes a different player when mm-hmm. it's four four two. Newcastle started just going long. Florian gym was putting a lot of long balls forward, and Horsley was winning most of it in the air. That was causing a bit of havoc in the Arsenal defence. As you see on another day, if we had the better over the green, some of could have come from that. But I think when he took Mikel Marino off with seven, seven minutes to go, yeah, about seven minutes, um, <clears throat> he gave the ball away a few times, as, as you mentioned, Chris. But uh, I thought that he was the one who was really trying to create something. As a mm. few times he got it, got it around the edge of the box. Um, create something out of nothing and I thought that it was a bit perplexing to me that when he brought on Diarmi, it was kind of like well is Diarmi going to be that same kind of player who's kind of driving the defence who's going to try and create something he didn't in the end I thought that was a bit baffling but I think Rafa Badiat knows what he's doing doesn't he he sees these players every day and when he did go four four two, 4 2 Newcastle did look more threatening so it, in a sense you can argue you got it right but it just didn't come off
3: and in recent weeks I mean <coughs> perhaps understandably and perhaps rightly he's been accused of not making changes early enough well he couldn't have been accused on that side he did make changes early enough and to be fair other than I agree with Sean when Diome came on I think the impetus went but before then for the 15-20 minutes did once he brought Gale on I think that and Richie, the the, the dynamic did change, and they made a positive impact onto the game. He went for it. Um, They could and probably should. Me, Perez had a very good chance. Hosselou's shot deflected, could have gone anywhere. Really, unfortunately, went the wrong side of the post. And so, in that sense, he tried to affect the game positively. The one thing I found a bit strange was in the first half. The game plan was clearly to go long and to try and run it behind them. And Perez just, as much as he ran, just isn't quick enough. Not to have Gale on the pitch obviously he didn't want to go 4 2 for whatever reason but not having Gale on the pitch meant that Arsenal just mopped up whatever was kicked over the top and I think that Newcastle, that's possibly why Newcastle struggled in the first half because they, they were just essentially giving the ball back to Arsenal
2: Is there a case, and I think we've discussed this many times and sometimes it does feel like we're going round in circles but Gale and Jostlew they're not suited to playing that kind of one up top by themselves Gale is a prime example in my opinion that he can't play up top by himself he needs a partner like Jostlew, like Mervic who get the ball down, can hold the, the ball up, bring you know players into the game. Playing either one up front just doesn't seem to work. Well, am, am I just misreading? Am I just not I think the that, thing?
3: I think Gale benefits in the Premier League from having another one alongside him. I think in the Championship he could play up front by himself, but I think that Hossolu in particular suits his style. He makes the gaps so he flicks the ball, and that was what was so deadly. He won basically everything there at and I think there was yeah. a start the other week which... Hoselu had won 90% of aerial challenges or something, and it must be higher, if not similar, from that game. Gail, uh, Hoselu himself, I think he can, to a certain degree, play by himself up front, but he needs someone running it off him. And Perez it worked with for a little bit, but I think Perez lost a bit of form, and it wasn't really in that sense. And, and you're probably going to lack goals with just Hoselu up front. So, But the issue is, if you if you play the two of them together, obviously you are giving up something in midfield and as Benitez keeps talking about the show blanket and that's where Newcastle have deficiencies all over yeah. the pitch, you 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 play two up front, you're asking for trouble in the middle, you play five in the middle, or three in the middle sorry, you're asking for trouble up front because you're probably not going to score enough goals, so that is really papering over cracks and once you do that you're moving it from one area to another and another crack's going to appear unfortunately that's the state of Newcastle's squad
2: at the moment But if they do bring in someone say like Danny Ings, uh how does he fit in that system? Will Rafa then change the system to suit his style I of think player?
3: Ings could potentially play up front by himself, but at the same time, I could see Ings playing with either Gale or Hustler as well. So I think it's going to give greater options. In theory, someone who's going to bring you more goals as well. So I think I don't think he can look anywhere and say that if he brings in a player in any position, that you, you can't just say, oh, well, where's he going to fit in the team? Because I think any he needs improvement all over the pitch so anybody he can bring in you can make work because Newcastle need better quality everywhere and particularly up front
2: and you know today lots of rumours about uh, Cenk Tasson from Basik Das. I think we've had four or five different kind of versions different stories Spurs out and taking the lead. Crystal Palace have made a new bid Basik das are looking at Denver Bart to come in Newcastle interested it's going to take something special to get him on side in January.
3: I, I just can't see it happening, simply unless something was to progress more on the takeover than it has at the moment, and that money was pushed forward, because Newcastle just can't compete with the It's going to be £20 million plus, you're probably talking, seeing as Newcastle want a few players in January if possible, and at the moment the budget is still unclear to Benitez, I just can't see how they're going to... It's wages as well, and I just can't see how they're going to be competing for on to as much as Benitez likes them. Um, but the thing with Newcastle in the January market is they are basically looking for anyone possible if there's if there's a player available who will add a bit of quality Newcastle will be interested I'm not saying they'll be able to sign them but they will show an interest and see if there's
2: some way they can get it to work and David Luiz is the name that's popped up earlier this well, it's a name that's popped up
3: today and as I say if he was available I think Newcastle would register an interest but what I've just said about wages and what I've just said about other things if the likes of Juventus and whoever else have been linked are interested is David Luiz going to want to move to Newcastle and as much as he's got a positive relationship with Benitez and are Chelsea going to want to just put him on loan where they can probably get a transfer fee from, from somewhere else? I, I'd find it a long shot and unlikely, but as I say, Newcastle will show an interest in anyone. That doesn't mean that it's going to happen.
2: Just show him a picture of the bridges on the quayside and it'll be sold. Uh, Sean, it's how do Newcastle keep their mind on, on on the football and try not to get distracted by the, all the off-field you know going on other the takeover I mean it must be a distraction <coughs> sorry about that <laughs> of course it's going to be a distraction you know um,
4: at the end of the day if a takeover comes in these players are probably going to be thinking have I got a future here you know you, if, if, they, if, they, if they're if they coming in with quite a bit of backing he has spoken a lot hasn't he about how he needs to improve the score a lot of these players they'll be, they're only human at the end of the day they are going to think well if this takeover does come in they are bringing new players where do I fit in in the club and um, I think to begin with, Rafa did a very good job of keeping the players' mind on the task, um, and you saw that in the results. Um, I think it's a bit, bit of an excuse to latch onto as well. Obviously, things are starting to go bad now. Um, you, you kind of you label it with the takeover. I think the players, they're, they're, they're a strong group on there, they've got a good team spirit. Um, they're seeing that. I don't think it'll creep into the thinking too much in the sense that it's going to affect the results the way it's been affecting it, but. It is going to drive that uncertainty that maybe will have a negative effect on the team.
2: It was interesting, Alan Shearer said, yeah. it, it shouldn't affect players. It's got nothing to do with them." Suter Mac said, "Well, actually, it does. You know, like you said, you've got yeah, families, yeah. wives asking are we, are we staying? Here? Are we house hunting?'" It's, I suppose, it, is it a test of the, the Benitez's character to just to try and keep the focus solely on the training pitch, solely on on match day?
4: It, it is, isn't it? I mean, we we talk a lot about how Benitez is—he's—he's—he's he's, he's a good man manager, you know. He's—he's—he's he, very—he's very good tactically. Um, it is a case of trying to keep the players' minds on on on, on, on the football. Um, but in terms of, I mean, as you say there, Malcolm McDonald put, put hit the nail on the head. in you, your podcast last week that is going to affect them. They are going to think about it. Um, how Rafa keeps the mind away from that. It's going to be very difficult, but you know, as long as he keeps 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 the the focus on the football, you know, it, I, I would say that if, he, if he's encouraging them and reassuring them that they've got a role at the club, you know, you've got a, you've got a real part to play here at the end of the season. That you're going to be part of this adventure. That's always going to help, isn't it?
3: I think problem, part of the problem as well is, and privately, Benitez would, would probably accept this, although I don't think you'd ever say it publicly, is that a few of the players in that first team squad were essentially meant to be leaving in the summer and he basically told them they'd had a conversation and it was that you aren't part of the plan. and then by the middle of August he realised that he wasn't going to get the players he needed and that certain players such as Carl Dahl who was very close to signing for Middlesbrough and a few others in that first team squad actually had to stay and so in that sense they are already thinking well he he doesn't see any long term plans if he does get any money I'm definitely going to be out the door so that is undoubtedly going to fester and to a certain degree Benitez wanted to be honest with the players which is laudable but if he'd known the way the transfer window was going to work out I'm not sure he would have necessarily been brutally honest with some of the players as he was
2: Lots of talk this week from Pundits, Goth, Crooks, uh, Jermaine Q Kieran Dyer as well all saying Newcastle have achieved. Was there a mistake when Newcastle went four games on the on, on the run um, which they won you know top five, top six, top seven yeah. that everyone kind of maybe got ahead of themselves Realistically, to finish a place for the relegation zone, come May, Benitez take that. Newcastle night fans should take that.
4: Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the aim at the start of the season. As for any promoted club, as long as you stay in the Premier, they that's got your job done. Um, <clears throat> we we said at the time didn't we that look, they are winning games, but there is going to be a period where it's going to get really really difficult to for Newcastle to maintain this, to maintain that kind of form. They're going to go through spells where they are going to struggle because, put simply, the squad isn't good enough to be in the top half of the Premier League table. Um, I think that when you look at those games as well, in isolation, the Crystal Palace game, it was a very, very poor game in terms of quality. Um, not a lot happened. Newcastle nicked it at the end, but it could have went either way. There's been a lot of games since then on this run that you think you know, Newcastle could have nicked that, but it didn't. You look back at the the Everton game, um, the is it Bournemouth as 1-0 as well Bournemouth Burnley yeah, Bournemouth Burnley Games like that you know that if things had panned out a little differently Newcastle could have maintained the run instead of going on this losing run it's the fine margins in the Premier League um, they haven't been helped by the loss of Jamal Vassell I thought he was very very good at the weekend when he came back in Newcastle instantly looked a lot more solid Florian Lejeune probably had one of his better games he's been on a bit of a bad run um, so I think that's that's, that's that's a massive plus him coming back in that has been a real part of the the downfall in recent weeks, and I think Paul done to come back It'll be a massive plus as well.
2: On uh, to West Ham, it's it's a massive game, isn't it? You, you don't want to uh a six-pointer, but it's a huge game. You know, Newcastle need that win going into into the new year, into Christmas. They need that win. West Ham have got two wins in the the last three games, three and thirteen. But for all the laughs and sniggers that occurred when Moyes got the job, you know he's not doing the too bad of a it's a job done
3: there. I would say, I would temper that slightly with look at their squad and should their squad be where it is. And I would say the same about Crystal Palace. It's, look, these, don't, I'm not trying to take away from what David Moyes and, and Roy Hodgson have achieved at other clubs respectively, but at the same time, should should a team like Crystal Palace, who have Wilfried Zahar, Andros Townsend, Christian Benteke, Johan Gabaye, be down in that position? Should West Ham, who have Marco and have spent £20 million on? Uh, Javi Hernandez isn't even getting in the team at the moment. Andy Carroll isn't getting in the team at the moment, and so they they have these resources. And that's not meant to to be downplaying what's been achieved there, but it's, it's it's trying to put into context something that Benitez is saying But at the same time, Newcastle, as he Benitez is saying himself, they have what they have and they are where they are. But they have to start putting a run of results together. I and mean, I think it I've said it a few times over the last few weeks, and I think there's been too much of a fixation on January. It's going to be a vital month, there's no doubt about it, but the intermary the inter- period has almost been forgotten about there's still 12 points to play for between now and then you're probably going to have to write off Man City the way that they're playing but again as, I'm s- as I said about Arsenal you- Newcastle can't really afford in the position you're in but you- you're going to say so in the next two games you're going to get a maximum of three points really in all likelihood and so there has- there's some have to come against West Ham all the teams except Stoke and Swansea and around them are picking up points at the moment West Ham are doing it they've hit a bit of form but sooner or later Newcastle are going to have to start getting points themselves you can't rely on other teams the situation Newcastle are in and they've got Brighton at home which is going to be huge just before the new year but I think they need a minimum of a draw on Saturday just to prevent the situation from, from becoming extremely depressing over Christmas it's already a long run and the confidence has been sat by the players they need something to give them an injection because away from home in particular at the moment one win in, in more than two years away from home I think it's seven points from sixty or sixty-three, whatever it is. It's given that the home form they've lost four games in a row, but they now have to sort out their waveform form as well because you can't just say now that the points are going to come
2: to St. James's Park. It's ironic isn't shown that the man between the sticks for West Ham he came.
0: This is aCast recommends. Every week we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love.
1: Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts.
0: Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Back against Man City, Adrian, you know, you placed your heart. Obviously, Joe couldn't play because he's on loan. But Joe hasn't been able to get back in the side. In the last three games... Uh, I don't believe they've conceded a single goal. He was man of the match against City City, only scored two. Considering either end, I think they've probably scored nearly yeah. a million goals this season already. It uh, was a man that Benitez certainly looked at, uh, and considering Carl Darlow's mistakes against Everton mm. and West Brom, you know, Rob Elliott obviously got dropped to the bench because of the, his performance against Watford and what have you. Benitez's warning about the goalkeeper situation is one for a new goalkeeper that is is now coming to a head.
4: No, oh, it's massive, isn't it You know, you go, having a good goalkeeper can make a difference between pro, not promotion, and relegation, survival, and relegation. Um, in terms of Adrian, you know, it, it's, it's, it's it's kind of the thing that he's coming now. He's, he's had a torrid time with Slaven Bilic. Moise has come in. He's given him an opportunity, and it's the same for a lot of players. You know, like Martin Anatovic on the weekend played very very well, has not he? He had a really really mm. poor start to his time at West Ham. And it's a case of when you're pretty good. We have we, we, Newcastle lost Devon the other week. Sam Allardyce has won six in a row now, Evan. And it's just a case, of you know, when a new manager comes in, they do get that positive bounce. And you are light the hope from a Newcastle point of view, you know, that when, when that when that kind of new manager bounce wears off, that we're still in touch and distance of these sides. Um, but yeah, you know, Rafa's set up and he asked me, you wanted Willy Caballero, he wanted Adrian, he wanted a new goalkeeper, <coughs> as Chris said before. Um, he actively tried to offload Darlow in the summer mm. that can't help Darlow's mindset when he plays at all knowing that the manager doesn't completely trust you um, and, you know, and it, it probably doesn't help Rob Elliott either that after a few poor games he was then dropped You know, the uncertainty isn't there neither man really knows who's truly Benitez's number one um, and I think as, as you say there Andrew a new keeper has to be one of the massive priorities in January for Newcastle if they uh, get some sort of stability at the back
2: lots of questions on social media on Facebook and Twitter one of them obviously relates to the goalkeeping situation it is from uh, Jonathan Swain who asks why isn't Freddie Woodman getting the chance again it's another topic we've talked about it's like your favourite topic Chris the Mitovich debate but it, it, again it, it is a question that needs needs to be asked is it Benitez just thinks he's too young he's not doing enough on the training pitch what's your understanding?
3: I think it's a combination of all those things but the one thing I would say is you look at the age of the Newcastle squad in general anyway it's the youngest that's been playing in the Premier League this season you bring Freddie Woodman in that's going to particularly considering Rob Elliott's played the majority of games you take that out and then suddenly the average age goes even further down look Freddie Woodman has a massive future ahead of him but he hasn't played in the Premier League before you will be taking a gamble and I just think it's one gamble too many Benitez. Is risk averse to a certain degree as it is anyway, and to bring in a goalkeeper no matter how big a future you think he's got, and just throw him into a situation where, you particularly when in recent weeks when Lascelles has been out and people have been calling for him, well, he wouldn't. Who who would? Where's the leadership on the pitch then to, to try and help a goalkeeper? Yes, Lascelles is now back fit, but I think that Rob Elliot in particular brings a bit of calmness to the defence he brings a bit of leadership he's, he's in his early 30s and I think they need that for such a young squad I just don't think Freddie Woodman's ready I think he should have gone out on loan in the summer hopefully he will go out on loan in January but I just don't think that, that Benitez is, is willing to, to take that risk because it could it, it could pay off and Woodman could come in and do well but if he came in and made a few mistakes then that could really harm his his, his future going forward so I think he needs first team football championship level before he can really consider him as a Premier League starter
2: over on Twitter uh, Jamie asks do they think or do you two sorry think that Huddersfield and Brighton have better squads than Newcastle um, or do Pundits just focus on Newcastle because of their history he seems to reckon that the Newcastle United squad gets torn into a lot more than uh, Brighton and Huddersfield personally I think they're probably on par the squads I mean I don't think Castle has spotted it any better than Brighton or Huddersfield
4: I think it's more magnified just because of the difference in the summer transfer windows that the three clubs had you know um, Bright- Brighton and Huddersfield they had a fairly successful transfer window they brought in a lot of players that they wanted, you know, and there was a lot of talk that was in the somewhere about the difference in the net spends between the three teams, you know, and, uh, look, Newcastle spent a lot of money last season in the Championship. They had, by far and away, the best squad in the Championship. Huddersfield and Brighton had to spend not only just to get on par with that Newcastle team, really in terms of quality, but to have a chance to, to you know, survive in the Premier League. Um, I think they are on par, but it's going to be magnified because Newcastle have a world-class manager it's been spoken about a lot, you know. hasn't made an issue. Hasn't he? That he didn't think he was well back in the summer, um, and you know, it's 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 easy. It's it's it's, it's an easy statement for a pundit to make, isn't it? Because you know that it's already out there in the public public eye.
3: I think the squads are fairly similar in terms of abilities in, in a lot of areas. Probably certain areas, different teams are, are strong in compared to others, but the difference I think between the the two summers was what Huddersfield and Brighton bought the vast majority of it anyway you'd say was better than what they already had Newcastle the majority of the players are saying possibly Mikel Marino aside maybe Lejeune and Time you wouldn't necessarily say it was an upgrade on much of what they already had it was mainly just bolstering out the squad and they didn't address the problems that they had whereas Huddersfield and Brighton tried to do that they tried to buy goals Brighton bought another goalkeeper or two goalkeepers and they tried to address some of these situations whereas Newcastle didn't they didn't buy a proven Premier League goal scorer. They didn't plug the, the hole they've had at left back because of Paul Dummett's injury they didn't buy an attacking midfielder that we've known they needed they didn't buy a goalkeeper so in that regard I think that you only can see the squads are of similar ability to a certain degree I think that Brighton and Huddersfield have more all-around quality and Newcastle's is, is more specified in certain areas
4: I think when you go on there as well when you look at Rafa's spending his first summer it's where a lot of his frustration stems from isn't it because he was praised because in the past you, you, you would say that Newcastle Bought players who didn't necessarily need, but they were big names. Rafa came in and said, look, we need this, we need that, we need that. Bought a new forward, bought, bought a right back who so didn't have any, both out the centre-halves. And in the end, we had a championship squad where you had a player, you had two players, very positioned that you thought, right, the, whichever 11 we put out here is going to be the best team in the league. This summer, he wasn't back like that, was he? And it was a case of, as Chris said there, he both out the squad, but there's glaring areas that needed improve and that they didn't improve. And that's where it's costing them now.
2: On to another question from Dimitri <coughs> Burandes. He asks, do you think Shelby will be sold in January? Um, he believes that he could generate some much-needed funds. Um, he hasn't helped this season, so why keep him? I mean, if you were Wolves, uh, well, maybe not Wolves, actually, but if you were a top championship side and you've got a bit of cash to uh, to spend, if you're looking at Chelsea and you're thinking, why not? Because it's clear that he's a top championship player, but over the last few weeks, he's kind of shown, particularly... In the last home game there, it kind of showed just why he didn't make it at Liverpool. Because his temperament, in my opinion, just isn't there.
3: In terms of potentially saleable assets, I'd say he's probably one of them. Probably more so than Mitrovic, who is someone Newcastle will look to to move on if they can, if they can bring in money and, and, and get another striker in. Shelby, yes, possibly could. But I think that there's just so many other areas Newcastle need to address in January. Yes, he possibly would give them an extra we I mean, would hope at least 10 million if that if could sell him you'd want at least your money back um, but I just think there's got other priorities I need to sort out and in yeah, theory definitely. if you can get the best out of Shelby he is going to offer you something going forward you're then only going to have Mikel Marino as someone who's creative in the middle you're not going to have any alternative there so I think in the short term Shelby has Newcastle future next summer could be a different issue altogether if a takeover happens if Benitez is able to, to really rejig his squad possibly then, because there seems to still be issues trust-wise long-term, but I think Benitez realises he's, he's going to play a key role in the second half of the season, and unless an astronomical offer came in, which I think is highly doubtful, then I, I suspect he will still be here.
4: This is the thing, that though, you he is an incredibly frustrating player, but we won this podcast nearly six weeks ago, talking about him getting in the England squad, mm-hmm. you know, he's a very, very good player, yes, he's got those shortcomings, and the fans share those frustrations. When you actually look at it, they look at Saturday, Hayden and Marino starting in midfield and they both did a grand job. But you look at the bench, who's going to replace him? Mody Army is the next one in line. Mm. <clears throat> you know, Henri Savvy, who's been banished to reserve. Jack Cobb hasn't got a feature at the club. There's a lot more issues that Newcastle need to address and they simply can't afford to lose Shelby, as Chris says, in the short term. And
2: that's one of the questions is, why does Mody Army still keep getting a chance? What's he done to justify... Uh, starting all in previous games coming off the bench against Arsenal uh, I was trying to explain to this to my mates in the pub and it's because while he doesn't light up the world he doesn't necessarily let the side down is that that's kind of what you've heard isn't it?
3: It's a fair way of summing it up yeah I think one thing that Benitez points to privately as he talks about, if you look at, on the training pitch, you look at the numbers, you look at the work that people do, you look at the, the figures they do in certain games, I remember one game a few weeks ago, I can't remember which game it was specifically but where Diarmi got heavily criticised and I think Benitez privately was, was a bit flabbergasted because by his reckoning what he wanted Diarmi to do, he thought he'd actually put in a reasonable performance, I think it might have been Burnley actually, when he was roundly he was criticised yeah. for that game and he, he he's not a technically gifted footballer by any stretch and I think that he, he slows Newcastle down in a lot of ways and he just hasn't found any form for Newcastle but what he does do is he works hard you can argue maybe he works hard in the wrong areas of the pitch and, the, and does some of the, some things unnecessary really and doesn't help build attacks that was a frustrating thing against Everton a few times when Newcastle were breaking and he got the ball and he gave it away um, but Benitez likes that work ethic he believes that he brings power into the midfield which is something Newcastle do lack power and height Although Modiame can't head a ball. But in terms of it in the middle of a pitch, he gives them a bit of power, and I think that was one of the reasons he did come back at the side against Everton, given that Newcastle being overrun against Leicester. So there's I'd say it's a lot of the unseen work that Benitez likes, a lot of the dirty work, but in an ideal world you would have a better quality of squad to, to not have to call upon Modi quite as often as Newcastle do. But the fact of the matter is, as Sean says, with with Shelby suspended, he's he's third in line to play in that midfield too.
2: Uh, and another question is quite simply from uh, from David, says is: Is Rafa Benitez going to perform, It's
4: it's a tough one, isn't it? We we know the limitations of this squad, but you, you can't not look at Newcastle's recent run and say like it should be a lot better. Look, um, Newcastle Newcastle are going to struggle this season. We've said they're going to go through times of trouble, but. A lot of Rafa's decisions recently, you know, and they have been questionable and a lot of them haven't paid off. I think, as we say, look, he's going to get two of his main main players that he really trusts in the cells and double back fit now. There's going to be a crucial period, as you say, we've got Brighton coming up, Stoke, massive games that, if Rafa can win them, you know, it, it, it's back on track. But if you, those they start to lose those games, they start getting cut adrift at the bottom of the table, you've got to start asking questions and say, look, Yes, Rafa has done a lot of good work there isn't, there isn't a better manager out there Really that Newcastle could attract But the performances and the results Haven't been good enough And you know, you've know, you got to kind of shine light on the manager for that one I,
3: I would say he is underperformed But yeah. I think everyone at the clubs underperforming. I think Rafa Benitez himself would have to accept He's underperforming if he's lost 8 out of 9 games Regardless of what he has at his disposal For a manager of his quality Then yes, he, and he needs to find answers He needs to find solutions mm. At the same time, I, I, I would I would almost temper that with a lot of a lot of the I understand why fans are asking for certain players to play. I understand that that people want to see Mitrovic and all sort of stuff. But you've got to think: Are these players going to make that much of a difference? Benitez yeah. is making mistakes. There's no doubt about it. But if another manager comes in, which I'm must say is going to happen because I think Benitez is safe and, and rightly so. Yeah. If another manager did come in, I can't see the same manager bounce at Newcastle as I can see elsewhere because. Of the deficiencies within that squad, it would take it. Even when Newcastle are playing well at the start of the season, they're only nicking games by the odd goal because all are defensively solid. They just they haven't really got any goals in the team. So if you go defensively solid again, it's not like someone's yeah. going to be able to wave a magic wand and Newcastle are going to be brilliant at set pieces because they don't have players other than Jamal Lascelles scored scored from fewer in the season who are going to score from all there. You you go gung ho, well they just don't have the players to do that either. So I think Benitez is underperforming. But he's also underperform within limitations, so he's, he's almost in this run. He's having to tinker and try and find solutions to problems, and, and more seem to create themselves. So, I do sympathise him to a certain extent, yeah. but at the same time, I think he has to, to start stepping up in Newcastle. It can't be an indefinite run of losses because at some point, Newcastle are going to, are going to be cut adrift. They're already now seven points behind Huddersfield. They're now in the relegation zone. Um, yes, it's a close gap between a few of the teams, but there's four games between now and January 1st some other teams have kind fixture lists Newcastle and Theory have a kind fixture list now between, other than take Man City out three games against team in, teams in and around you that costs you more than just, just a loss if you lose those teams you you see further ground so he has to find solutions to some of the problems and if he can't find victories he needs to get some draws because he needs to prevent teams from pulling further away that's it you got to
4: stop the rot hasn't it? but I think there's a general acceptance now among, amongst the fan base that he's not under pressure, but this is going to be a long season, and as long as he can just drag about, it, there's going to be a lot of pain on the way, but if he can drag Newcastle to safety, that's going to be accepted and that's going to be teamed to success, and he's still on course to do that, isn't he? But as Chris said, he needs to start getting
2: results quickly. Just briefly, you know, in a, in a sentence 20 points by New Year, Lance, do you think that can happen? I well, mean, it can happen, but will it happen?
3: No, I think that the maximum we'll get from the X- next. Four games is five points, which I think would be okay. The, maybe's would still be in the relegation zone with that, but I think that would keep them, their heads just above water going into what they need to do business early in January. So, that's a bit of a pessimistic answer, but yeah, I think I think more realistically they're going to pick up four or five points rather
4: than yeah. six. I'd agree with that. I can't see them getting to to twenty points, but as Chris says, there, as long as they can get enough that keeps them in touch with the teams above them in the above them just above the relegation zone, I think that'll be. Deemed as a fairly successful run up the next four
2: Spot on and just to keep you guys waiting right to the end, the latest on the table, Chris, it's kinda not moved on from or oh, that the farm fair that happens um earlier in the week.
3: Yeah, I mean it was a it was a sort of development last week in terms of Ashley and Stavely came closer to, to reaching an agreement, but it, at the same time it wasn't that the that the deal was gonna be done immediately. we're still looking probably end of January early February at the earliest the Premier League still haven't been notified of, of, of a change of ownership because the, the the final deal hasn't yet been completed and even once a price is agreed it's then going to go to a period where lawyers are going to discuss it because you can agree a price in principle but this is a very complicated and and deal because it's such a huge business so that's going to take a little bit of time in itself There's possibly a little bit carried away last week in terms of how far on it was but at the same time it, it was a positive development um, there needs to be movement on it in terms of January transfer window because Benitez he's had a meeting with Charney last week and he was told he could go and start exploring trying to sign players but he still wasn't given an idea of his specific budget so it's it's almost a case that he's going to try and sign a player now see how much it costs then going back to Charney and say can we afford this which is not really a way to run it you need more of an idea of a budget because in that sense he could end up signing a player early in the window and not be able to sign anyone else because he's, he's, he's maxed out his budget so he needs to, to box clever with it uh, I understand is they are trying to come to a compromise Ashley and Stavely whereby there will be some money spent in January either he pays it up front and then she pays him back or or whatever but that needs to happen it needs to happen soon And but in terms of the takeover it's still as we, as you were last week really there's no further on
2: as this is the last podcast before Christmas I'm going to ask you for score predictions. Can we bring some joy to the Newcastle United fan base? West Ham versus Newcastle, United. Sean. One-one. One-one. take that, Chris? I was going to say ones each as well. Um,
3: Newcastle have to get a result. They have to go there and, and, and be positive. Uh, West Ham are starting to play reasonably well, but they, they have to, they have to get, yeah, they have to stop the rot. They need a point at least. So I'm going to say ones each. Yeah.
2: Fantastic. Well, there you guys have it. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas and bye. Next time we're back here recording, Newcastle will have at least a point on, this, on the, on the uh, scoreboard, on the scoreboard, on the point board. Is that even a thing? On the table. On table. the table, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, we're ready for Christmas. Uh, but head over to uk for the latest Newcastle United news. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, AudioBoom, Boom, Spotify, or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at ChronicleNUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, ChronicleNUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedback. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?
0: This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love.
1: Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband.